the biggest lesson, I answered that one first, is the body never lies. And that was just the biggest like wake up call for me. And I was like, I have so much faith in nature. And I have so much faith in nature doesn't make mistakes. And when we're born, unless we have some sort of genetic disposition, we are born healthy. Nature wants us to be healthy. And so if we start to like, you know, when we grow up, if we start to develop, like you mentioned, pimples or shadows under the eyes, or our hair starts to fall out in chunks, all of these are signs that there's something wrong on the inside, something that you're doing and your body's responding negatively. And that's your body telling you that you're doing something wrong. But we've somehow find ourselves in, a, in this culture where we've, we've sort of normalized all of these things as a result of turning to pharmaceuticals. And this is your call to adventure with Anne and Luke. Beep. Welcome back to the Call to Adventure podcast with your main man Ant and Luke. Beep. We have a very special guest with us today. Excited to have him on the podcast. We've actually wanted him on the podcast for a while, but I guess, yeah, I guess we just never got you on the podcast. It's been an interesting time. Anyway, we have Will Frost with us today. He's a very close friend of ours, but also a mentor of ours in a way. Taught us a lot about the cold, a lot about our breath and a, f- yeah, a fuckload about the breath. Anyway, Will, I'll let you introduce yourself. Introduce yourself. <laughs> Hello, guys. It's good to be here. Happy New Year. Uh, yeah, my name is Will Frost. And uh, I suppose if I'm going to be put into any sort of category, if you're going to label me in any way, I suppose I call myself a breath coach. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've fallen into for the last four or five years. Teaching people how to breathe better. Yeah. Yeah, I love how simplified you've made that. Like it's in your bio, right? I help people breathe better. I help people yep. breathe, breathe better. Yeah. If I can say it. Yeah. Very seductive <laughs> and a smooth voice as well when he speaks on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Very calming. You might fall asleep listening to this one. <laughs> Just close your eyes and be quiet. Do you know the first person to say that? I'm not oh, the first. No. I, I dare, yeah, no. No, I doubt <laughs> No, I was in Holland like, what, about six months ago doing a, a, a breath coaching course and uh, a big part of that was partnering up with everyone else who was participating and to you know guide each other and to kind of work on your teaching skills and your teaching abilities and swear to god everyone who i worked with they were like kind of like grab my arm and be like your voice is amazing for this <laughs> i was like okay cool. that's great that's good that, you have a mild erection <laughs> but it's it's a big unspoken component I feel the voice with this sort of work, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you're guiding someone through quite an intense sort of breathing practice, like a trauma release, for example, if the voice is off or feels a little bit mm, threatening in a way, then that's going to be reciprocated in the participants. Right. So it's, I guess it's the same with an airline pilot. <laughs> You know, when you're waiting on the tarmac, waiting to take off, and then they come on and they're talking like, really partial, we're going to get you there safely. Yes, we will. If they come on and they have like a quite a rough, rugged tone or demeanor about them, I don't know about you, but I might feel a little bit uncomfortable mm. about that. Mm. Well, we've done a lot of work with our voice and how to use it as a more of an instrument versus a, a tool. Uh, mm. 
Yeah, we did a we'd done a lot of communication workshops and a lot of work with that. And going back to our previous conversation, did you is that something that you trained, like consciously worked on your voice and your tone? No. Okay. No, not at all. Because you said growing up you had a speech Yeah, I had a speech impediment. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, can you yeah, go a bit into that? Yeah, sure. Um well, I, used to, I mean, when I was growing up, I used to suck my finger. Like, we, like a lot of us do. We used to suck our fingers or suck our thumbs. It's like a self-soothing mm. type of thing a lot of kids do. And I didn't grow out, grow out of mine until I was about, I think, 10. I think I grew out of mine. And as my baby teeth fell out and my adult teeth grew through, grew through I was sucking my finger and, uh, like every day, every night. And then the teeth grew crooked. And as a consequence, I couldn't speak properly. Like I had a really terrible lisp. My R's would come out like W and there'd be many vowels. Most of the vowels I couldn't say. And so as a consequence, I just couldn't speak. I got so anxious about speaking in front of people. I ended up getting a speech therapist. And I tell you what, I do not remember the speech therapy sessions at all. I feel like that part, that time of my life was so embarrassing I've just blocked it out from my memory. Wow. I don't know how many sessions I had. I don't know whether it was a male or a female. I remember one exercise that I used to do, uh, which she or he would put a mirror in front of me and ask me to say certain words. And that's it. That's all the memory I have about it, which is really strange. Mm. And I, so, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember how long I had speech therapy for. Um, but as a result of that, I just grew really anxious about speaking just in general, just speaking to people. Um, and so, yeah, if you would tell me that I would go into doing what I do now while talking in front of 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 people, especially about science related topics, I probably would have told you to get fucked. Mm. Just on that, I'd be curious because whether you obviously you're unaware of the sessions that you had, yeah, a lot of the way that you speak, and you say you've done no work on it since, right? Mm. Self-reflection or just natural? I'd say natural. Yeah. Right. So definitely it's had an effect on you because the way that you speak is very... There's no filler words. Mm. You, you pause very well. Oh, he, he does pause the pause so, so well. You well. nail the pause. <laughs> and Again, we're super conscious of this. Yeah. So we're looking and at everything. It is your personality as well though because you are slower. You're very chilled. Mm. Obviously from the breath work and mm. the ice baths. For me, when I, get, when I have a coffee... <laughs> I'm speaking and I chuck a lot more filler words in so that'll definitely have a have a lot of influence but I reckon the speech uh, therapist would have had a lot of impact on the way you speak for sure yeah yeah Mm. definitely if you haven't done any reflection you speak very very well Mm. for for that yeah yeah No, I I mean I think you hit the nail on the head it's a testament to the work that I do Mm. a lot of the work that I do is all about you know stress management and Mm. staying calm under intense pressure Um, so yeah I feel like my voice, my public speaking voice in particular, has uh, been a direct result of that. Yeah. Mm. Was that the same growing up as a kid before the speech impediment? Like, how were you as a kid? How how would people describe you? Were you like soft spoken? Were you like no? You can make him cry on the podcast, man. No. <laughs> Drama. <laughs> yeah, because we only know you up until we only know you as Frosty. Like yeah. the breath work, the coach. top G, Will Frost, and your real name is Will Frost because every your last name is Frost. Can you just confirm? 
I can, I can confirm Because every that. time I mention that I go to, I've gone to your workshops or the winter retreat and they're like, wait, what? Is <laughs> Do you get that? Yeah. I open all of my podcasts with that. And no, sorry, no, my, sorry, my workshops. All of my workshops are open with, hey, my name is Will, surname is Frost, genuine last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just get that out the way. Yeah. And I swear to God, like, there's always like 50% of the participants <laughs> who are just like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> That gives you a lot of credibility, man. No, like, I'm not so. sure. Yeah, I don't know how we could add it up in terms of how that helps with your conversions. But <laughs> if, if, we put, if we put two people on, on the paper and we said ice, uh, breathwork, coach, yeah. we're 100% going for the, for the frost. <laughs> for a bit of, con- for a bit of context here, for people that don't know, his, he, the brand is Get Frost. So that's yes. why people <laughs> yeah. will be like, oh, is your name actually Frost? Yes. Yes. People would be like, what the fuck are they talking about? Get, for, get Frost. <laughs> yeah, Get yeah. Frost. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, okay, while we're kind of like on the topic of my speech impediment, for the longest time, I couldn't even say my last name because it would come out as like Frost. Wow. With FW. And so when I was coming up with my brand name, my partner was like, why don't you just use your last name? And I was so much resistance to that. I was like, I can't even say my name. And so I had so much resistance to just using my last name. She's like, you have to. Like you work with cold and your surname is Frost. You have mm. to. And so I just bit the bullet and started. Doing it. I don't think it comes up so much anymore, but I used to, I mean, kind of now back to your question. When I would talk, particularly when I was younger, I would used to talk really fast. Whereas I, that's the only way I could get my words out. Like talking really, really fast. And as a consequence of that, every so often I would just slip and my R's would just come as W's. And that would just reaffirm my self-consciousness about it all. Um, and so, yeah, when it came to my brand name, I really didn't want to use my last name because I didn't want to stand up in front of an audience and say, Fwast, <laughs> instead of Frost. Get Fwast. Get, get Fwast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one thing using your last name, which is a little bit cheesy. Like get frost, yeah. work with cold. It's a little bit cheesy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one it's thing the having right that. time to use. It. I think if you're going to use your last name in it, it's like, oh yeah, it's the perfect timing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, but it's, it's one thing using it, but then it's another thing not being able to say it correctly. Mm. <laughs> especially, oh. especially yourself. Especially <laughs> myself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. A lot of layers there. Yeah. But yeah, um, I think it's all sort of worked out. Okay. Oh, it's worked oh, out. You could say absolutely I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, how many events do you run a year? Did you run last year? Uh, well, last year I was in hospital for a big chunk of the year. And then I was in England, where I'm from. You were running events in England though. Yeah, I didn't run that many. I, I ran like a handful. Um, I try, I mean, it's kind of seasonal because it's difficult to get people in the cold when it's winter time. So during the winter, I try and do at least four a month. Try and do double on the weekends if I can. So eight a month. In summer, you mean? Yeah. 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 Try and do eight a month. Yeah. So that would be what? About 24 over the season. Yeah. Yeah. But last year, I reckon I probably did, I'd say in the realm of 30. Yeah. What's the biggest year that you've had in events? Last year. That was the biggest? Yeah. yeah. It's the biggest year I had. Yeah. Well, I mean, like the end of 2021 going into 22 was obviously over here in Australia. That's the summer period. That's the peak period. Yeah. So be, that period for me was really busy yeah. last year. I think it was, you know, we were coming out of COVID. Mm. And so this whole breathwork scene and cold exposure scene was was just massive. And yeah. it really took off around that time. So, you know, people like me who work in that field, 
uh, it was it was a busy time. Yeah. Don't downgrade yourself to what you'd built before that though for it to allow to just blow up. You know, you'd obviously put a lot of work in prior to COVID and then COVID hit and it was pretty fucked up. And then Well, you know what was funny is that it was actually so when was COVID? Twenty nineteen. And uh, I would say start of twenty twenty, early twenty twenty. Because I caught well, COVID. Your, yeah. In Australia, it was twenty nineteen, wasn't it? Nah, because twenty twenty one. Because I caught your workshop in, at the end of twenty nineteen in November, and then over December, January. Okay. Is when it's like Malaysia and China. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it was the start of so twenty twenty. It was around March here that it really when started it really to kick hit. off. Yeah. So. That was when I decided to do this full time. Right. It was around. So I went back to England for Christmas 2019. Okay. And at the time I was working hospitality and only doing a couple of workshops at a time. Really? Yeah. I worked in hospitality for about a decade. It's the only other job I had working in hospitality. And I went back to England and when I was over there, just, that's how I got epiphany. It just dawned on me that I can just do this full time. Yeah. So I got back to Australia, quit my job and then COVID happened and for me that was actually a bit of a blessing because the lockdown allowed me to build myself and to build my brand Mm. I used that time to build my website to really strip back my workshop and turn it and well I guess start to build it into what it is today so when COVID ended or started to phase out which is what 2021 that's when I really started to hit the ground so where where was the brand and the business at when I attended that workshop back in end of 2019, November 2019? Because I already thought you were just, you already taken off and you were running it full time. I just got no. that feeling. No, that was, it was still part time. Do me you then. feel like that was the yeah. point though? Like obviously because you made that decision then, you could sense that this is, this is happening for me now. Yeah. Like once you made that mental switch, like yeah. I'm going... Yeah. and then as soon as the yeah it, like turning back to hospitality was just not an option for me that it, it just wasn't an option so i was like i either do this or i do something else entirely mm. so i was like i might as well just do this yeah, yeah. Mm. and here but, we are i know here yeah, we are because i think that's something that we can relate with yeah 100%. that once you make that well, once you make a decision it's yeah it's simply you, a decision like change decide. can happen in an instant as soon as sure. you just internally have gone nah i'm going all in 100 percent. yeah mm. yeah definitely man definitely i the, the the catalyst for me for making that that lifestyle change that decision that work decision to do this full time was sitting in silence and reflecting on how my body feels after I finish a workshop. And I always felt like I was on ecstasy. I'd always come out of a workshop feeling like on top of the world. Like I, it, was just a, it was like a natural injection of caffeine. You know, it, it felt absolutely incredible. And I was like, okay, if I'm feeling this good, then my body's responding quite well. That means it's, 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 it's good. You know, it's good for me. It's good for my energy. It's good for my, for my mental bandwidth. It's good for everything in between. And so that was the decision. That, that, that was the, the, yeah, that was the catalyst in order for me to, to do this. If I reflected and I was like, oh no, I don't really, I have a lot of doubt after my workshops. I have a lot of, 
um, reservations about it, then I probably wouldn't have decided to do it full time. Mm. But it was the fact that, that physically I just enjoyed it, even though there was a lot of doubt in my mind about how did I perform? How did I show up? And I was I any good? Although that was still there, the physical response, the body never lies, right? Yeah. And then that physical response was what told me, gave me that answer. Yeah. I think that's something that I look up to you so much in is just you're so in tune with your physical body. Because mm. uh, I was having a conversation with two friends today and they were talking about how they wanted to do heaps of diet change and they don't know which way to go because there's so much like fluff out there but then i was literally just like check in with your body like see how you're feeling with certain foods and how you are off certain foods and it's i feel like it's as simple as that sometimes just be in tune with your body again it's almost like tuning a radio and like so many people are out of tune 100 percent. were you always like that how did you no i was not always like that at all when did that start for you um only about five years ago yeah um how did that begin um i think it was everything sort of started to happen at the same time for me it was like a perfect storm it's like a perfect concoction of many things that started to take place one of which was i decided to do the wim hof method training which was my the stepping stone into what I do now with the breath work and the cold. And it was around that time I did my first gut cleanse. Um, so to kind of give you a bit of a backstory there, I was vegan for about three years, vegetarian for two years before that. And it just did not respond well to my bot, bod, to my body at all. <laughs> it just did not respond well at all. And after like being vegan for two or three years, I was lethargic, I was pasty, I was pale, I had bags under my eyes, I was skinny, I had no muscle mass, had no drive, no libido, my hormones were all over the place. But I fell into the trap of indoctrination. You know, a lot of people fall into the vegan, well, okay, I use vegan as an example. People fall into the vegan doctrination trap. You know, they watch a really well produced documentary oh, yeah. like Cowspiracy or yeah, yeah. a really you know potent powerful YouTube documentary yeah. and then they suddenly fall into the trap I'm never eating meat again meat, meat is the, the devil mm -hmm. and so they fall into this indoctrination and as a consequence of that they put their blinders on and so they start to eat in this manner and even though the body doesn't respond positively for like a lot of these people a very high percentage of these people me being one of them they don't listen to that because I, they're so stuck in this rigid doctrine. And I, and I was part of that. But I kind of got to the point where like enough's enough. I'm tired of feeling tired. I'm tired of feeling bloated. Like I would fall asleep anywhere. Like I fell asleep standing up at a gig once. Like we were at a festival and like we were dancing and then I just like fell asleep and headbutted the person in front of me. <laughs> it, was, it was that bad. My energy was just awful. And so I ended up getting a gut cleanse and the person who put me through this gut cleanse, uh, he said to me, you need to start to repopulate your gut with proper food and that has to be meat. And there was a big part of me. Where I was just like, nope, not going to happen. Can I do this vegetarian? He's like, nope, has to be meat. You have to do it properly. 
And I had a lot of reservations about that. And then during this gut cleanse, I found a guy called Paul Check. You guys familiar with Paul Check? Check him out. He's amazing. And he wrote an essay on um, vegetarianism and his experience with it. And in this essay, he started to really dive into the power of listening to your body and the body's intuition and how falling into like a doctrination is not the way to go. And after listening or reading that essay, I was like, all right, no more, no more veganism, no more vegetarianism. And I uh, started eating meat again and never looked back. So that was really the, the start. I did my first gut cleanse <clears throat> and then I started working out, started training. And it was just a compounding effect from there. Yeah. It, I, it, I just sort of fell into it naturally, you know? Yeah. A bit of a follow-up question, but also a statement. Yeah. When people talk about eating meat, yeah. that doesn't mean that you're just eating whatever sort of meat. Like you're not no. just plowing yourself with sausages or shitty meat. That Sausages that are good though. Good, they can be good sausages. <laughs> they can be good sausages, but like we're talking like there's some shit meat out there. Oh, so 100%. what was the transition for you? Because I know a lot of people were curious, you know, like me and Anne have just jumped into paleo now. Yep. And just as Ant was talking about before that, that notch and finding it. And I started eating grains and shit again. I started getting pimples and like just crazy. Yeah. It's, when you, when you go paleo and you go clean, you're eating red meat and fats and stuff like that. As soon as you break back into grains and all of that, you, yeah, it was nuts. So I'd be curious, what was the lesson for you, I guess? What were you told to eat? And then... How have you implemented that and what are you eating now? Hmm. Okay. Well, the biggest lesson, I'll answer that one first, is the guy who put me through the gut cleanse. I've done it a couple of times now since then. He would always say, the body never lies. And that was just the biggest like wake up call for me. And I was like, you're right. The body doesn't ever lie. And that's just always stuck with me. And I have so much faith in nature. And I have so much faith in nature doesn't make mistakes. And when we're born, unless we have some sort of genetic disposition, we are born healthy. Nature wants us to be healthy. And so if we start to, like, you know, when we grow up, if we start to develop, like you mentioned, pimples or shadows under the eyes or our hair starts to fall out in chunks, all of these are signs that there's something wrong on the inside, something that you're doing and your body's responding negatively. And that's your body telling you that you're doing something wrong. But we've somehow find ourselves in, a, in, a, in, in this culture where we've, we've sort of normalized all of these things as a result of turning to pharmaceuticals. <laughs> right yeah and so the fact that we've normalized it people don't question it you know mm -hmm. and like a, a very common example is the common cold that's that shouldn't be common in, in my opinion if if you're getting a cold it's a sign that your immune system is weak and when you have to go down the rabbit hole of why is my immune system weak how am i feeding it how am i treating it how am i treating my body as a whole but people don't ask those questions. 
They wake up in the morning feeling a little bit sniffly. Oh, I've got like tingles in my throat. What do they do? Cold they get some aspirin. Cold and flu tablet. Cold and flu tablet. It's everywhere. It's rampant. Mm-hmm. You know, now people have this awareness. You see the advertisements everywhere. And it's almost like, where's the advertisement for healthy living? <laughs> where's the advertisement for get some sunshine, go for a walk yeah. and Careful, you eat might the right food? You might give us cancer, mate. Oh, man. I felt myself going uh, into the hole, but okay. No, no, we, we don't, there's no filter. I'm just saying like that's <laughs> the, idiot, like the idiocy of it, isn't it? Like where is the promoting of health and it's nowhere. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about this, you know, today if you want, but uh, the biggest red flag for me with the whole COVID situation from day one was that lack of response. And yeah, like where was the, where was the response of, Eat right, get some sunshine, move your body, get some vitamins in you, get some nutrients in. There's none of that. And for something as global as what we went through, mm. that was a red flag for me from day one. Keep the pharmacies and the bottlers open though. And McDonald's. Don't forget McDonald's, don't, man. Don't forget McDonald's. Those Big Macs. Yeah, they'll save you. Good for your neurons, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, back, okay, back to your other question. The meat that I ate, I always try and eat... Uh, the best quality meat that I can find. Um, and a lot of people's natural response to that is, oh, it's so expensive. And I was like, well, you are what you eat. So if you value yourself, put your money there. Mm. Point blank, mm. you know. Um, it's a sacrifice so, you got to make, but yeah. yeah. Like for instance, us starting, we had that same thought process, you know. Yeah. You end up spending 200 bucks a week on red meat and that's being conservative. yeah for sure because it's it's not cheap nah but then you go how do I how can I do this by being cost efficient it's like buy a fuckload of mints (laughs) well yeah okay there is definitely there's definitely ways of doing it a lot cheaper and you're right yeah mints yeah but it's like when you're like that mints it's like compared to everything else fuck you gotta eat it the way you feel from just eating mints it's it's not so it's like yeah it's a little bit more expensive but like you said the way that you feel it's worth every penny yeah dude I agree Mm. 100% Hundred percent, and um, you know, you've always got to check in with. Well, okay, this is what I do. Whenever I eat something, I always do a very quick check in with how my body's responded to what I've what I've just eaten. If I'm bloated, then I got to really start to look at what I'm eating. Because again, bloating is not a a natural thing. Bloating is a inflammatory response from the body. And when does your body respond with inflammation? when it's threatened by something or when you've put something inside it that it doesn't like. like it's, it's, it's a stress response, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know. Your body's under stress. Yeah, when you cut your thumb or cut your finger, you get inflammation there to protect it. It's same happens on the inside as well, you know. Do you your, ever get bloated from eating red meat? No, never. No. no. That was, so that was my big uh, trigger point is because I, I was putting up with bloating for years. Mm. And I was smashing rice, pasta, bread because you... you legumes. Legumes, all of that. <laughs> yeah. Lentils. Like Family didn't yeah. appreciate the legumes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you... Because growing up in high school, you're, again, indoctrinated with this whole idea of carbs is king, especially you're, if you're playing sport and an athlete. Or you're training as well. Yeah. Car- carbs is muscle. Yeah, and I think we... And we we've over-glamorized macros, like get your protein in, don't look what's in the ingredient list, don't actually find out the quality of your, your food. Mm. It's more so just focus on the on the surface level things. Yeah. Which um, 
Yeah, which obviously fucked my body for for years. Well, that be, was my turn. The only one, the only time that I challenge this is in places like Italy. They fucking eat bread nonstop, and they don't. I'm sure they don't have this issue. Otherwise, they wouldn't be fucking eating bread the way that they eat bread. Yeah. So it does make you question what the fuck is in the bread here or in the US compared to what's in Italy. Mm. And it's like the pizza that we eat here compared to the pizza that we eat in Italy, it's the dough that makes a difference. It's not the, the toppings, it's the mm-hmm. dough. So mm-hmm. you, go, you, you do question, you go, fuck, what is it that's in here? And you, you, I guess you just never know, really. You would never know. But, or it's just, I guess it's body types. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's both, you know, it's definitely body types, definitely genetics, but also the way that the wheat is processed mm. right and how it's fermented fermenting is is the key thing there you know bread should literally be three ingredients water salt flour fourth ingredient is time that's it if you go to a supermarket any supermarket and grab any loaf of bread that's in a plastic packaging and read the ingredients i guarantee you there's gonna be like five six seven eight nine ten numbers a bunch of numbers. A whole bunch of numbers and a whole bunch of words you can't even pronounce. That's what's fucking people up. Mm. You know, the, the gluten in the bread needs to be fermented and needs to be broken down before, you know, before you eat it. That's what sourdough is, right? And uh, in places like Italy and France, there was other you know, European countries, they eat it correctly. And they have done for generations. They've, they've built up that... Um, not really, not necessarily a tolerance for it, but we've got the generational genetics for it because mm. they've been eating it forever. Mm. And the problem with us in, you know, in these sort of, in our country, in Australia, in England, and also definitely in America, they're eating this wonder bread, which is like highly processed, oh, highly yeah. refined, shitty, mm. um, synthetic food, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And yeah, that's what's making so many people gluten intolerant. It's not the gluten itself, it's everything else that surrounds the gluten, mm. you know? And how it's processed for sure. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with the, with how the quality of living is for the animals that we're eating. For for example, like cows uh, uh. who are grazing or they've got open paddocks. Are they eating slosh or are they eating grass? Are they sniffing another butt's cow because they're jammed together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like how? Yeah, no, seriously, how how much stress are they under? Are they? You know, shoulder to shoulder with other cows yeah man because again they're under immense stress and what where's that stress happening within the body yes and then who is that getting transferred to yeah the people that consume it that yeah. reminds me of the saying as well when it's made with love when food's made with love it's different because there's the energy behind it so you know the yeah. stress behind it or everything that's going on it actually goes into you and if a meal's made with love you feel that love and it's the same with stress it's the same with the pain that they've gone through, you'll feel that through your body. That's a, yep. yeah, that's a great connection. Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm. Definitely. And um, you can really taste the difference between eating a factory farm slice of beef yep. or a slice of beef that's come from a regenerative farm. Yep. You know, where it's free to graze and to roam mm-hmm. and, uh, and killed without being, you know, pumped full of hormones and, you know, killed in a humane way. Mm. I love hormones. You can taste the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love growth hormones. I love them, yeah. <laughs> Give me that steroid of chicken to put on some muscle. <laughs> well, Luke, we had an experience at the camping trip. Chris bought some sausages 
and straight oh, away oh we tasted God. it and you could just i don't know you can almost taste the it's like smiley meat it's like Devon ham. I, I don't mind oh, eating ass. I, I, I don't mind spam. eating ass, but it tasted like fucking ass. It was. Just it tasted worse than ass. <laughs> it was bad, but like as soon as you can literally taste the difference because now we have that reference point yeah. because we've been yeah. eating the organic, yeah. grass-fed, finished yeah. stuff, so we have that. But yeah. that's where you know people don't have that reference point, so that's their norm. So they yeah. have nothing else to refer to. Yeah, that's why it's like go try stuff. Yeah. Go try something that's out of your your normal. But this conversation that we're having right now is just out of the world for other people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. This conversation right now, people will just be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah. What's the blindness? What do you you mean, my meat's pros? Like, they don't even know what health is. Doctors don't even know what health is these days. Yeah. Oh, and you just go, okay. What does the average GP look like? Because I can look, I can revisit the the <laughs> my previous GPs, and I just ask myself that question. I'm like, wow, yeah, yeah, you know, hundred percent. And it's like we're taking advice from that person. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I I apply that standard to to everything now. You know, if I see a like this, this might come off really judgmental, but I don't give a fuck how it comes off. If I see a PT that's overweight, unfortunately, my first knee-jerk reaction is that's not a, not necessarily that's not a good PT, but that's definitely not a PT that I want training mm. me. I need to be looking up to someone. I need to look at a PT who is in shape and practices what they preach. If I see a PT who's fat or overweight, my first judgment call is that, mm. you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Why would you? Why would you go with a PT that's fat? They can't. Well, train, no, they can't train you, themselves. They, they are there, man. They are around. Yeah, you know? yeah. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, but I think that's kind of why I put in. I feel that that is why I put in so much work into my physique over the last two years or so. Uh, a big part of that is because I want to look the part. You know that that installs a high level of trust with people who I'm working with. You know, they're like, I want people to look at me and say to themselves, that's that's the benchmark. That's kind of like mm. where I want to get to. Mm. You know, so that's why I, I, I'm constantly doing all this work on myself. Yeah. It's just, you know, really to help my clients out and to give them that, that benchmark, something to aspire to, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you simply put, you just have to be the example. If you're going to be That's preaching it. health, wellness, and all this stuff, you've got to back it up. A hundred percent. Otherwise, you're you're out of integrity. You're lying to yourself, and then you you're lying to to the people that you're trying to change. Yeah, and then you end up with someone. So, you, but you end up you end up then being someone with no substance. Mm. You know, you end up just being someone who is a big talker. Yeah. But no action. Yeah. You know, no pain, no suffering, no. Uh, no challenge, no, no, not going through any challenge to get to where they, mm. where they are. You know, they just, they just talk, take the paycheck, and move on. Yeah, not yeah. the embodiment of their work. Yeah, it's literally the embodiment yes. of it. Yeah, it's a big, and then there, you know, people go to their events and then they don't, they don't get the change that they desire because they hear it and they, oh wow, this is cool, but it's not. There's something missing to that piece, and just by hearing you talk about it you just realize like this guy comes in talks shit and then leaves doesn't mm-hmm. give a fuck doesn't give a fuck about himself doesn't give a fuck about the people there 
they like what they're hearing but then as soon as it's over it's over it's done yeah oh what did i learn like what did i learn from him because half the shit that you learn you forget mm-hmm. but you remember the person that they are yeah you remember how they make you feel yeah yeah always yeah you know and this is where again a big point of difference is for what we're all doing if someone came and lived with us for a full day they'd get more out of that than spending a year on campus like for example you did that you you get to a point where you choose who you want to be associated with you spend time you come into close proximity with them and you did that with with whim Mm. and then we also got that opportunity to do it with you over the winter retreat Mm. right yeah so how was how was that experience being in that environment being in surrounded with those groups of like-minded people who were health conscious who Mm. were on that journey of of breath and exposing themselves to ice it's invaluable it's invaluable because you build that network you build that connection and you get inspired by other people's stories and you get inspired by you know what other people are are doing with their life within the similar circle that you're that you're doing you know like i came in for you know for the example of training with with wim hof in poland in 2018 um i came in there with a lot of self-doubt you know i came in there feeling like i wasn't good enough feeling as if i'm not going to really get anything out of this um i'm not even sure if i want to do this why am i here and all of these sort of self-doubt questions but when you're with 30 other people all going through the same hardship that we went through in that five days in poland and you'll support each other through it and you then start to generate a bit of a more positive state of mind about it just naturally you know it wasn't something that i expected to happen it just happened you know it was there were people there who felt the same and then there were people there who felt on they were like they felt on the opposite end of the spectrum and you sort of like gravitate from from both you know and you absorb their their energy and their story and you take it on and then you just become one unified oh yeah group right where you all support one another and help one another and you know that week in poland was physically one of the most demanding five days of my life you know the amount of cold exposure that we did for huge amounts of time was nothing i'd ever done before like i had only ever done ice baths in australia and yes the ice bath itself is fucking cold but then when you get outside the coldest it was the coldest it ever was for me when i got out of the ice bath was like 17 18 degrees celsius it's pretty pretty warm pretty mild but in poland that was the first time i ever did cold exposure in nature where the outside environment the outside temperature was like as cold as the water so it adds a whole new level to the cold exposure and we were doing that like two day two times a day three times a day oh. for like five ten minutes at a time sometimes in absolute silence like we weren't allowed to say a word it was intense and then when you you know when you do these sort of challenges in a group setting like you guys know this because you came to, yeah, to yeah. my retreat when you do it in a group setting there's just an unspoken unity it's an unspoken bond everyone's got each other's back 
It just, you know, that's why they say with, you know, the veterans, you know, a lot of people, a lot of veterans miss the war. They don't necessarily miss the war itself. They don't necessarily miss going into battle and risking their life, but they miss the camaraderie. They miss being in that group of people who have got each other's back no matter what. And that's something that we don't really have in this culture right now. It's almost like a natural human need. We yearn for it. What do you think is the big piece in that moment, in that moment of fear and danger and whatever you're feeling in that moment? What is it about those moments of extreme measures that create such a community? When you're doing it in a group? Yeah, but like, what do you think it is being a situation like that that creates more camaraderie and more unity? Knowing that you're doing it together and knowing that you're all physically experiencing the same thing. Mentally, it's all different. People are experiencing it mentally completely differently. Some people are probably going through positive self-talk. Some people are like, fuck, this sucks. I can't do this. It's all sort of like different up here in the head. But physically, you're all experiencing exactly the same thing. So if, if it's 30 people sitting in an ice bath, physically, you're all experiencing the same hormone release, mm. stress response. Everything is unified. And by doing it together, again, like I said, it's an unspoken union. Mm. It's an unspoken trust that is as naturally fortified in the forge of that experience that mm. everyone is going through together. And then you come out of it and you're just bonded, you know, without words. You're bonded through experience. Because mm. it's almost like you can feel empathy towards people, but in mm. those situations, you're being it. Like everyone yeah. is being it together. So yeah. that's why, yeah. Maybe that understanding it's the moments you actually understand what everyone's going through. Yeah. Whereas most of the time we're not, we don't see that. We don't see the other side. We don't experience what other people are going through, but when you can experience it yourself with them, then that's when the empathy is created. Yeah. That's when you be it. Mm. You're being it together. Definitely. And also that when you're in that environment, the natural leaders step up Mm. and they begin to aid Others who probably need a little hand, mm. need a little bit of encouragement. You know, the natural leaders always step up. Mm. Because it's just, it's ingrained, it's, it's genetic for them. You know, so what I did in my retreat was, uh, at a couple of times, a couple of moments, I wouldn't instruct this, but I would open the space for any leaders within the group to step up and to naturally like help out other people. And I love that. I love giving space for people to, to step into that power that they have, whether they know it or not. Because they might come out of that retreat learning something new about themselves. They might come out of a retreat feeling like, and that felt pretty good helping that person. Mm-hmm. Maybe... I can do more of this mm-hmm. and then that seed is planted and you know we all know that we need more leaders 
strong leaders, capable capable leaders in to, in today's world anyway, that's mm. for sure. Bro, I, this can I just, I just quickly say this is why I love you though. Because that is that to me is the definition of leadership to me. Mm. Is when you give that space for people to experience those things and feel as if they've like you've obviously opened that up for them, but to them they feel like they've gone through that own transformation themselves yeah. like it's so selfless yeah there's no rescuing either yeah there's no rescuing no. it's just like because mm. you see that in them you see the potential in them so you allow that to just take its form in their own time and space 100%. that to me is the definition of leadership mm. and that's i think that's 100 percent why i've connected with you so deeply mm. so yeah just want to say that yeah for, for an example if someone was listening to this and they are in a bit of a leadership role themselves mm. how would you encourage someone to bring leadership out of someone else like how would you open space for them is there any examples that you can give that might help someone or i think the first thing i would advise would be to listen more you know listen and just shut up you know the difference between a leader and a like in my opinion the difference between a genuine leader and a pseudo leader is that a pseudo leader just won't shut up they won't stop talking they they always feel like they need to advise or they always feel like they need to order or instruct like to me the first step to being a great leader is to listen and i'm not just saying with your ears listen with your heart listen with your head as well but more so listen to your heart and listen to your intuition you know and that's that's something that i put out there in the retreat that you guys came on when we did the exercise of guiding one another through a breathing session and guiding mm -hmm. one another through like the mechanics of breathing when we did like the diaphragm and the chest and interweaving them both that was an exercise not just to instruct and to facilitate someone else which is powerful in, in and of itself there was also the opportunity there which again i didn't instruct or i didn't allude to this at all there was the opportunity there to tap into your intuition based on what you see from the partner that you're working with you know and the more you do this the more you work one-on-one -on -one with people like that that's just going to overflow into every in every uh, connection that you have outside of that space you know because we are not just a physical being we're an energetic being as well and the more you can pick up on that from other people the better leader you will be mm. fucking spot on man yeah i'm yeah. getting a lot out of this right now. yeah <laughs> i'm you know that feeling where you're just like so yeah, it's it doesn't. Like like, I forget the mics in my hand. To be honest, I'm just like transfixed with your communication, and <laughs> it's re really flowing really well. It's sick. Mm. Yeah, because we were on the receiving end of that, but how, hearing your perspective on the yeah. other side, it's sort of, I don't know, painting a whole picture for us. Yeah, I mean, and to sort of like piggyback off of my own words, um, <laughs> <laughs> when. Uh, when you do that, when you listen more with your heart and listen more of your intuition in, you know, a leadership example, you'll just naturally become not only a better leader, but a better coach. Like if you're working one-on-one yeah. -on -one with people, yeah. 
if you can listen to like okay i'll give you an example i know pretty accurately how someone is feeling emotionally based on how they breathe there's a lot of there's a, like i said the body never lies and the breath is the number one responder to your nervous system so when i was in the retreat not the one you guys came on the second one we were doing that exercise where we partner up and we take them through some mechanical breathing and there's this one lady who is really struggling to 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 not breathe into her chest even though the instruction was to breathe into your belly ignore the chest focus on that belly focus on that belly and she you know she pulled me to her side because her partner couldn't figure out what to do she pulled me aside she's like I can't breathe in I can't breathe into my belly my chest is really trying to get involved and my chest just won't stop breathing for me and I kind of looked at her and I smiled and I was like you live with a lot of anxiety right and she just broke down and she was like yes I do I am like chronically anxious all the time and that was simply because I was listening to the way that she was breathing and I was watching how she was breathing and the better you align yourself with that like in my line of work the better coach you will be and then you can start to peel back the layers move away from the breath and start to look at them as a as someone in pain mm-hmm. in this example going through like a shitload of anxiety and uh and so yeah like yeah this is an example of tapping into that mm-hmm. and uh and really understanding how the body works in relation to uh like emotional um mm-hmm situations i'm yeah my first thought is that's that is the real example of when your your own pain becomes a superpower because Mm. you were saying that you experience anxiety so you know firsthand Mm. what it feels like and therefore you have such a higher uh i guess attunement to Mm. to seeing that in other people and that's why like you don't actually need that's when the book it gets thrown out the window you don't need the textbook no. it's just a feeling it's just a knowing because you've done that yourself yeah yeah and that's yeah that's where i feel like yes there's a need for coaches but a need for coaches who are again going back to that word embodied yeah people have actually lived it yeah man. and then yeah you obviously have done that yeah, yeah. I, tr- I try to mm. yeah i try to um there's so many pseudo coaches out there right now. You know, so many people who on the outside, like the bullshit detector for me is just like going off. And so many of these coaches I see popping up on yeah, like Instagram yeah. and Facebook. And yeah. it's just like so many of these quote unquote quote, no, coaches, <laughs> coaches, it's just they lack substance. That was, that was, that's what I was saying earlier. I know it was, it's the, challenge any experience that creates the substance it's going through the hardships and the learnings and the failings that's what creates the substance that's what creates the empowered individual the empowered man the empowered woman always you know it's it's always going through that stress and that challenge that is character development basically you know it's that's how you discover your human potential 
it's the connection piece as well, isn't it? Because yeah. when you're speaking and you're hearing someone talk about their challenge and you just you can relate to them. You can go, I've, I've been there. Yes. <laughs> I've mm. been exactly where you are and I know exactly how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Do this, this, this and this. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's a bond. There's yeah. a bond between that connection piece. Yeah. Because it's not the words that they're saying, it's the emotion that's behind it that's yeah. resonating with, yeah. with us. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And that's, what, and that's what Tom praises is like, it's not about what content you put out. It's not about this. It's about who you are as an individual and what you've gone through. And like you say, pseudo coaches, there's just so so many people out there that aren't it's not about the coaching for them it's about the lifestyle and the freedom and this and that and that it's not about actually changing and impacting other lives and that's where there's a big gap for us like in this industry and it's like you know we charge well, i don't think you charge enough personally but hell no <laughs> nah, but, uh, not after this conversation yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, that's why that that's why we charge what we charge because we've lived the experience We've been in that in that point. Like we've been the anxious. We've gone through absolute pain to fucking be where we are now, so that we can share that message with you and help mm. you through it. You know, and uh, yeah, I yeah, I've always thought you've undervalued yourself. I've told you multiple times <laughs> about that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I, what I want to ask about is, it's talking about the anxiety that that lady was going through. Mm. I'm just going to throw a fucking random number out here, but I would say that 90% of people would be going through the same thing mm-hmm. in Western society now. Mm-hmm. It's a random number. I don't, don't quote me on it, <laughs> but like fact check. If I, yeah. If you want to look it up, whatever. <laughs> but when I've done some work with you and learning about breath, it's blown me away to think because we're not breathing into our bellies through our nose, mm-hmm. most simplest thing ever. Mm-hmm. We're under immense amount of stress. Mm-hmm. We could completely change that pretty quickly so Mm. how what sort of advice would you give someone you've explained it really well but like giving actual advice to someone that's going through that how would you coach them through that they've got anxiety they're like they feel like they're getting anxiety a lot they lose control of their breath what would you tell them to do hmm First and foremost, so like what you mean, like a practical tip? Like a, yeah, bre- a breath tip? Practical, yeah, or whatever. It can be practical, slightly practical. Mm. I would say the first tip, which is always, well, this is a little bit of a cliche tip, would be to slow down. That would be the first thing. Just like put your foot on the brake. Just slow down for a sec and then the second tip that a lot of people would say which i am going to dive a little bit deeper into is take a deep breath you know you're, you're scared you're anxious take a deep breath but those words take a deep breath have been so misconstrued uh over the years of over the years of saying it because it's it's if that but those words take a deep breath has being built up alongside this rise in dysfunctional breathing. So if you tell a dysfunctional breather to take a deep breath, it's a dysfunctional breath. It's a deep dysfunctional it's, breath. It's a, it's, well, it's, yeah, like you just did. A lot of people do it through the mouth yeah. and they breathe up into the chest. A so paper, paper bag breathing. It was like, well, that's got some credit to it. 
Oh, really? The paper bag breathing has got some credit to it. Okay. Uh, but what I'm saying is like, if you tell someone to take a deep breath, if you tell a dysfunctional breather to take a deep breath, they're going to go, <sighs> oh. <sighs> and what I'm doing is I'm taking a mouth breath into my chest. And physiologically, what that's doing is that that's, that's basically throwing gasoline onto the fire. That's mm. keeping you in that heightened state of anxiety, that heightened state, that heightened state of stress. Mm. So taking a deep breath, although in theory is a great practical advice, it's only a good bit of advice if they're breathing correctly. Mm. And so to do it, to take a deep breath functionally and healthily and to get out of an anxious state quickly is to do it through the nose and into the belly. Such a simple thing to do, but if you're living as a dysfunctional breather and you have been programming your breathing to be dysfunctional for weeks, months, years, decades, breathing into the belly is, it feels so hard. It is the most difficult thing for a lot of people do, to do. And so they, they get stuck in this dysfunctional type of breathing, which keeps them in this heightened anxious state. So if I tell people to take a deep breath and they do it wrong, it's not gonna, it's not gonna help them. So I would say slow down and then just take a slow breath in through your nose, focus on pushing your belly out as you breathe. So if it helps, just put your hand over your belly button, feel the pressure of your hand there, add a little bit of tension if you wish, kind of push your hand in towards your belly button and then take a couple of seconds to engage in a relationship between your mind and your hand feel that connection there and then just breathe in through your nose and just try and push your hand away try and push the hand off you and we just exhale through your nose or through your mouth do that you know breathing in for three seconds or breathing out for three seconds after four or five breaths you should feel a lot better what does it cause more damage if you're a dysfunctional breather taking a deep breath? Does it? Yeah. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Well, assuming that you're taking a deep dysfunctional breath. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It will. Yeah. It would, Like I said, gasoline on, on the fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, let's think of a um, exaggeration, like as an example, uh, a really exaggerated example. Um, say you're having a really intense panic attack. How would you breathe? Through your mouth. It'd be like... It's very shallow. <laughs> right, like that's really shallow mouth. A lot of people's shoulders would come up. Mm. Um, that's like an... That's obviously like a really exaggerated example. But a lot of people are living their day-to-day -day existence on this lesser level of anxiety where they're not necessarily necessarily going <gasps> all day every day but they are breathing like <sighs> so through the mouth and through the chest every 30 seconds they <sighs> take a sigh or a yawn which are all signs that your body's trying to take in more air so you're not breathing correctly and so people are constantly living in this heightened state. And then they take that to bed and they're in a heightened state during sleep. Then they wake up the next morning drained and exhausted and feel like they need to take caffeine and sugar to get their energy oh, levels up. Shit. And they don't address the, 
the core issue of their breath. And so they're constantly in this loop of heightened state, heightened state, heightened state. And to break that cycle, you need to breathe better. Combine that with the chaos of the world. Oh, yeah, for sure. Working ridiculous hours, trying to, you know, make it has a massive impact. Massive impact. Definitely. The difference in energy levels that I've gone through, I've got a deviated nasal septum. So I'm getting surgery on that. But I've got a device now that helps me sleep at night. So it opens up my cavities. Mm -hmm. And the difference... Yeah, thank you for that. (laughs) Very much appreciated. Very much appreciated. If I don't have that now, if I've like run out of sticky bits or uh, just like I forget it, I'm just like, fuck. Mm. I'm furious because I don't breathe through my nose at night and then I wake up tired. The difference, like, you know, I've had, and to think I've had this issue for my entire life. A lot of people have like deviated nasal septums. It's a common thing. It is, yeah. But, like I just can't not now, you know, and, and to think mm. I still don't get to breathe through my nose during the day has an effect on my energy levels. Mm-hmm. But even just that simple switch at night, you can buy strips that Hermosi does that once that, you know, they're basic, you can buy them off Amazon, but mm. opening up your cavity at night, putting on um, tape on your mouth. Mm. And if you can get a full eight hours sleep with mm. like breathing through your nose, you will, you will feel the world yeah. of difference. Yes. And, and it's, it's instant. Yeah. You know, one night yeah. you wake up and you're like, holy shit, this is what it's like to have a good night's sleep. Mm. You know, when you tried the, 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 the nasal dilator for the first time, I almost cry. I you cried. You did. You, I think you did cry yeah. or you shed a tear or you got, you got teary. Yeah. That was such a beautiful moment. I love that. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you watch those videos on YouTube of, you know, people hearing for the first time. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was like, like for you, it was like a holy shit, I can breathe for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was a pretty special moment. It I was. remember doing it. And and this is the crazy thing. I, I, I didn't actually know I had a deviated nasal septum until COVID because I put a fucking swab up my nose and mm, I couldn't fit yeah. the swab up my nose. You couldn't, you couldn't even fit a swab. It nah. Was, it's that nah. deviated. So, so when I went to the doctors, wow. they they scanned me and he goes, this is the worst fucking nose. Like there's like, there's no air that can go up there. It's like, this is the hardest I've ever seen. The surgery is going to be pretty full on. I'm thinking I'm doing it in April, but becoming aware of that and then using, using that mechanism and then mm-hmm. realizing, cause even I think the overcompensation on the nostril that's open has like blocked it permanently anyway. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like I, I, you know, even at night, like I have that and I can only breathe through that nose the one that's opened up because this one just seems to be blocked constantly um but yeah that that moment when i breathe it was like i can't even explain the feeling mm. it was like that those videos that you yeah. see yeah where you, you just their reaction is yeah, still, yeah. and it was, it was emotional as fuck for yeah. me i was yeah i was i was cried wow and then you do the breath work and it's yeah, a whole nother experience mm. That's why I do what I do. Yeah, yeah. That's why we do for we those do. sort of reactions. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's costing me a fucking arm and a leg, though. They're not cheap. Those things. No, but, but definitely not. But anyway, <laughs> but it, you raise a good point though, because I always just go back to what's the cost of living like yeah. that for the rest of your life yeah. with anxiety, yeah. with you know, yeah, dis dis ease in the body, mm. inflammation. Mm. There's you can't put a you can't put a dollar figure on it. Definitely not. No, you can't. Definitely not. No. Mm. No, I literally really struggle on a half decent night's sleep. And then I just sit there and wonder how a 
all of these people living you know people who are so stuck in that heightened state and they don't get decent sleep every night how can they how are they doing it yeah and what's the role of sleep what is the sole role for sleep recovery yeah Yeah, just rest and recovery yeah that's when we repair yes there is i've always thought about that question because i've experienced it myself and being well aware of how hard i push myself in business and and work and physical activity and all these things and i remember every morning i wake up fucking tired every i've always until now Mm. now it's so different because i can breathe through my nose but i'd wake up every morning tired and then now that i'm like this and i get a better night's sleep there's a line that you have to sort of accept as well and not allow yourself to fall back into a, a pattern of Oh, if I don't get my eight hours, I'm fucked. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's another indoctrination. Right. You have to be, okay, I've got my, oh, fuck, I don't have my thing tonight. I'm going to wake up tomorrow, be tired, and my day is going to be useless. I can't have that mindset. No. So it is. It's a tightrope. Yeah. So it's like experience the physical benefits of all of it, but then actually still have the mindset that, okay, I need to not allow this to be the the be all and end all. Yeah. Because once you allow that mind state or that mindset, you can get into a place of, oh fuck, I need my eight hours sleep. When when mm. you don't, yes, yeah. I've I've fall into that quite easily. I am wearing them now. I got a couple of data collecting wearables. I got a, the Aura Ring, which is amazing for sleep, and I have the Whoop. The Whoop also tracks sleep. I mainly use that for my training. And I'm not so bad anymore, mm. but it's incredible how influential the data is on these on my mental and emotional state and energetic state like i could wake up in the morning feeling good and energized and alert pick up my phone look at my like my my whoop gives like the whoop gives you like a a recovery score and it it's either in red which is terrible yellow which is average and green which is like good and if it's like yellow i suddenly feel tired yeah it fucks with me. Yeah. Like I look at it and it's, it's like 50%. I'm like, but I feel so good. Oh, yeah. it, it plays with you, man. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, it is a tightrope, you know, it's so hard to not get drawn into the data, mm. you know, the, the subjective, the objective, mm. excuse me, yeah. data, you know. Because uh, uh, I've always considered getting one and then I always go back to that. And I'm like, if I know that I'm not getting a good sleep, it gives me an excuse to know that I'm tired. Yeah. I mean, you need to find that balance within yourself yeah. where you're like, I'm going to use it for uh, healthy purposes. Yeah. Mm. I think I think a good way to think about it is like, if I was to do it, it'd be like, I'm going to use this for three months, figure out exactly what is the perfect routine for me to get my eight hours sleep with my two hours REM or whatever it is. Yeah. And then once I've figured that out, I'm like, throw, like I'm done with it because yeah. I don't, you don't want to be relying on things. You just yeah. want to, like you be so in tune with your body that you know. Mm. But then also you need to push. Like you can't allow yourself to just be weak if you're tired. Yeah. Where a lot of people will definitely use those and they'll be like, oh, nah, I'm going to write today off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I've fallen into that many times. Yeah. I wake up and I've given myself a green pass. I'm like, oh, I'm tired. Today's a write off. Yeah. I'm just going to do nothing yeah. today. Yeah, 100%. Mm. and not train not go not yeah, go gym not do yeah, what I want to do we've all been there we've, mm-hmm. all, we've all been there yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> well I reckon this is a good time to talk about the transition yeah so yeah, we've I want to bring that up 
you've done this you've been doing Wim Hof for four five years five years three 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 Three. years full time for three but yeah Yeah. you've just gone overseas yeah learnt something and then now you're transitioning so why don't you tell us about what's happened in the last four six months yeah Uh, so I went to Holland um so when I did my, okay, so I went to Holland to train under a guy called Casper, Casper van der Moelen. Um, obviously he's a, he's a Dutch guy with that name. <laughs> and uh, he trained me in my, when I did my, the Wim Hof Academy. And uh, he's been a huge influence on, on me and my work. Um, the way I teach, what I teach, how I teach it is all down to him. Like, he just resonated with me like his teachings just resonated with me but and i ended up just becoming his like his fanboy basically every time he he put out like a new online course or something i'd be like the first one to to nab it and to watch it and to start to be influenced by it and apply a lot a lot of his stuff to my work to my workshops and uh he left the wim hof method academy a few years ago started up his own thing called the breathwork masterclass and um he then created his own uh, teacher's certification. Three levels. Level one is online, then level two and level three are in person. Five-day intensive. I did level one during COVID, and um, that was when I really started to, on the side of Wim Hof, do one-on-one private coaching with people, like taking what I learned in this level one and started to apply it to like one-on-one coaching. And... I really started to enjoy doing that and Casper's way of teaching in this course is all about teaching breathing principles rather than methods and his whole idea is that if you understand the principles behind something you're in a much better position to understand how every breathing method works so you understand the principles you get that education and that knowledge and then you're in a much more, mm, I say privileged position to understand what breathing technique is right for you at a particular time. It was kind of going back to, this, to the word dogma, which is like the theme of dogma, which we were talking about before with food, is that a lot of people fall into the dogma of a certain breathing technique. Now they learn like a hyperventilation protocol like Wim Hof and feel like that's the only one they can ever do. You know, people are inherently lazy, you know, and we always go for uh, the path of least resistance, yeah. right? We don't really want to learn anything new. Yeah. So we learn one method and then we like, well, I want to stick to that. And then, when, and then people start to get disenfranchised when it like it starts to lack its potency or they don't get the desired results anymore so if you more if you start to step away from learning about methodologies and start to focus more on principles Mm. you can then start to say how do i feel in my body right now how do i want to feel and what breathing technique can i then use to achieve that state Mm. okay so that was all that's that's casper's outlook that is that is i suppose is uh ethos and that just that resonated with me big time so i started to i did level one and then i did level two in um october just gone a couple of months ago and um i made the decision now to step onward from wim hof 
and go into teaching principles, start to apply a lot of uh, this work that I've learned over the last couple of years and start to and build my own workshop under my own brand and my own name. Mm. Um, yeah, we're, I've started to kind of do that anyway with my workshops, but because I'm because but because people are paid to come to Wim Hof workshop, I can't deviate too much from it, which is not what people are paid for. Yeah. So I find it really restrictive. I can't improvise as much as I'd like to. You know, so with what I'm doing next, I have so much more freedom to improvise and to get in, you know, real time feedback to what I'm feeling from the audience and to give them what I feel like they need and they want at that time rather than focusing so much on just one method. Mm. So that's that's what's coming up for me. So I'll, I'll be doing my last Wim Hof Method workshop in February and then I'll start launching my own series of workshops and and uh retreats do you have any uh what would i say snippets or anything you want to share like what it will be about what it will be like or yeah so it's it's a three-part series uh the first part is well starting at the form basically you know starting at the correct mechanical way of breathing so as we were talking about earlier the nose the belly the diaphragm um how to unlock those muscles, how to unlock the diaphragm, how to unlock the correct form of breathing so you can get the, you can get the most out of the 25,000 breaths that we take every single day. So that's, that's lesson number one. That's workshop number one. Workshop number two is all about breathing for sports and recovery. So the ultimate best way to breathe to get the sufficient amount of energy from your cells into your training uh, to minimize pauses and wait times in between sets to speed up the recovery in between training days and to really enhance your overall recovery in that time in between the gym um, through breathing and different breathing techniques breathing knowledge and principles and then the third is all about breakthrough breath work so the type of breath work that you see all the time now which is uh, you know trauma release mm. style um, really diving deep into the nervous system how to um, understand how your personal nervous system works for you how you've conditioned your nervous system over years of living in stress for example and then how to apply different breathing techniques to your day to to achieve the perfect day that you want to live for yourself so that's how the three workshops are going to run uh, and then if people want more there's going to be a retreat following up in that as well where we start to take all of our stuff and make it bigger mm. so you got the the one offering has the three workshops under it yeah and then the second offering is the retreat yeah and that's a three-day retreat yes yeah. and that's that's going to be out in nature yeah, yeah. always yeah yeah definitely out of nature Harrodsville. i don't know no maybe that was a cool spot that was a great spot yeah that was a cool spot maybe i might do something different we'll yeah see. something new We'll see. Um, so you're going to not run any winter retreats again? Maybe. How much is cold going to be part of your offerings moving forward, if any? I haven't figured that out okay. yet. Um, I don't want to do an ice... I might do an ice bath on the second one for sports and recovery. Gotcha. Because ice bath is an amazing way to recover. It's also an amazing way to... It's like it's an amazing pre-workout. Like I do mm. ice baths always before my training mm. rather than after. 
Uh, so I might, yeah, I reckon I'll do ice baths there. It's still going to be a part. You know, my surname's Frost. I need. To, I, I can't. I can't drop the ice baths. <laughs> like, what will I tell my friends? Yeah, no, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> William Prin- William Principles. <laughs> yeah, but I, I reckon I might do winter retreats. Yeah. We'll see. It was, but, um, just, oh, it was just such, such a, a great experience. Yeah, a, yeah, I mean, you saw the content we we're putting out after that experience. Like we were sharing our own personal takeaways, and yeah. we got so much out of that. Yeah, I didn't see. I don't think I saw yours. How dare you? How dare me? I'm so sorry. <laughs> we, well, we spoke about it. A no, he's saying how dare me because oh, how dare it. you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's my fault. <laughs> Is it still on your Instagram? Yeah, it'll be. You up shared. There. You shared I, about it. We talked about it on the podcast. We definitely sure. did a podcast about it. Okay. Um, but Check yeah, that no, out. it was an experience. Absolutely, yeah. And like, I feel like I spoke to you about it when we were there. It's just self-run. I yeah. think the people that you attract in, it's just self-sufficient at the end of the day. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you want to do some breath work? Yeah, right, let's do it. You want to go for a nice bath? Yeah, right, let's do it. Yeah. Well, we were talking about at the event, in pro- like me and you were like, we were noticing the freedom we had. It was almost like everyone had that, that uh, space to be like their own leader or, or take their experience as their own and yeah. sort of mold it. I would be curious though because he was just post-surgery. Yeah, yeah that post-surgery. played a role. But oh, then hearing definitely. you speak about the intention going into the yeah. workshops, um, it sort of just made a lot of sense. But yeah, how much was how much did the injury and the surgery play? To oh, big. I didn't do any cold, did I? Yeah, that's right. I avoided yeah. any of the cold. Did you do it on the next retreat? Yeah. Yeah, did on the next retreat. They had nice weather. I had it easy. They had like sun and shit. It yeah, like it was too. It was too easy. The yeah. walk up there was too easy. I'm glad. I'm, I'm, I, no, they had easy, man. They had, oh yeah, they had sun, like and sun and snow. snow. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm, got, I'm glad we got it tough. But yeah. remember, it would. It all. Yeah, nature has. Like, there's no. It's all intentional when it comes to nature. Yeah. Like it just oh. it put it on for us. Yeah, Let's yeah, just say yeah, that. Yeah. And you you were saying that. Like you had so much trust in that that I was just like, yeah, of course this is this yeah. is how it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you you just have to roll with it. Yeah, you have to roll with it. I do yeah. want to recap on the on the one moment that me and Ant oh, fell yeah. asleep on the couch. <laughs> do you remember that? Who yeah, did someone wake wake? We were up. literally in this like, position. We, I think we were actually sleeping on each other. <laughs> we had yeah, because like yeah, everyone there was like all the couches yeah. were taken. And we was everyone was spent. That was that after the climb. Yeah, it was after. Yeah. So we were pretty spent physically. Yeah, yeah. we yeah. did this climb. We went to the top. Of the, we didn't even make it to the top of the mountain because no, the weather conditions were that. What brutal. mountain was it? Just uh, feather top. Feather top. And it was raining. It was windy. Yeah. It was. It was like getting was shards of ice like hit us. It like was sketchy. You know, shirts off. Um, and then we got back. Like we got down and we got back and we. Me and Aunt fell asleep. <laughs> and then, then we got tapped. Like we're going for an ice bath. And me and Aunt just look at each other like, "Is this come fucking kidding?" Yeah. <laughs> And then everyone's sort of like, oh, we got like waiting for us to give the go ahead. Someone, <laughs> everyone's looking at us like, like Luke, yeah. is he, is it okay? Someone, <laughs> and, I'm like, go, and I'm like, oh, fuck. You know what it was? Someone was like, okay, put your hand up if you're not going. And I, yeah. and I didn't. <laughs> and then we were just like, Oh, <laughs> like we can't we can't we talk a big game but also yeah. like we know we're ca- easily yeah. capable of doing it so yeah. just like yeah we did it disservice yeah. if, we, if we, we would be lying to ourselves 
And I think you were in there for quite a while. We did 10, yeah. 10 minutes, We did 10 it? minutes, yeah. yeah. Dude, like, the second group, when we got into that spot, the, the cold exposure spot, I think the first time we did it, it was just after a huge um, melting of snow and a lot of rain. And the current was crazy. Like I jumped into the spot that we huddled in a circle um, to get everyone in and I got taken away. Like it was so strong. We had to like hold on to the edging of the rocks and everyone had to really dig their feet in, get into a circle and really dig their feet in. And there's this one guy um, (laughs) who had his back (laughs) <laughs> to to the water and he was just getting slammed it was just coming over his head over his shoulders and he's just like it's like shaking his eyes are wide it's like this really so oh. <laughs> and we couldn't turn it we couldn't share we couldn't sh- we, we couldn't turn around so we're like sorry man oh, there's sorry, a reason dude. that you're there bro <laughs> and it was fucking cold as well like it was colder than when you guys were there yeah but once again it's like you said in Hol- uh, where, where are you Poland mm. It's the outside tent because I don't. It's probably still cold, but it was pretty to, cold. Having to get out into the rain and the yeah. blistering wind and shit just made it. So it's like we won't compare. We won't compare dick sizes, but <laughs> ours was. It was. Harder. It was two very different <laughs> retreats, but yeah, you guys copped it. Yeah, yeah, big time. I'm glad though. I'm glad. Yeah, I wouldn't have it any no. other way. Hey? No other way. Yeah. No. That's no. what made the experience. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not envious of you guys <laughs> I didn't do any cold and I'm so happy about that yeah yeah well I'm glad you didn't either because <laughs> you considered it and we're like nah, I did consider man. it I mean when we were hiking up the mountain I took my top off for, for like 15 minutes I was like nah I'm good now I'm gonna put it back on yeah yeah I was you know, I was still recovering yeah. basically yeah. you're about 50 kilos <laughs> yeah I was so skinny scrawny yeah so Crazy. skinny so pale literally look like you just been on like a 14 day crack bender well, it literally looked like it came just came out of a five week stint in hospital. <laughs> Not a crack, <laughs> on crack, on crack, on crack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Feels right. Feels right. Yeah, we'll, we'll wrap it well, up. Is there anything you want to say? Is there anything that you feel cool to say right now? I love you guys. Mm. You're doing a good thing. I wish you all the success with the podcast received that's what i felt cool to say thank you man thank appreciate you. those kind words oh all right team guys uh i implore you so so much to 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 just add will into your into your network of or circle of influence because uh just the value i've gotten will uh luke's gotten uh has just been yeah immeasurable so where can we follow you uh, Instagram would probably be best. So that's underscore at, get frost at, at get frost <laughs> Not frost. With, with an R un, underscore. So get we'll, frost. We'll put it underscore. in the cap- We'll put it in the caption. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably the best place to reach me. Yeah. yeah. And my website is uh, getfrost.live. Perfect. And I'll be facilitating at his future events. So yes, you'll be space holding. Yes. Perfect. Well, Good. there you go. Thank you for listening to episode twenty-one, but also the first episode of twenty twenty-three. Yeah. So you have that honor. Uh, it's been an epic one yeah yeah thanks Will thank you so much for being on the podcast anytime thank Thank you for having me ciao